0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Technologies for Life Science podcast series with the IEEE Standards Association. I am Maria Palombini. I am the life science practice lead at IEEE SA. And today we have a really exciting podcast. We're talking about AI versus machine learning from bench to bedside, a technical insider's perspective. I'm delighted to have on this podcast today Nate Hayes, president and founder of Modal Technology Corporation, and Arun Shroff, Director of Technology and Innovation for Star Associates. So I'd like to introduce Nate, maybe you could tell a little bit about what you do and what's going on at Modal.
1: Sure, thanks for um, having me on your show today. I'm the president and founder of Modal Technology Corporation, and we are developing new algorithms for machine learning that um, guarantee reproducibility and repeatability in the answers.
0: Excellent. And Arun, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and some of your work in AI and stuff you're doing at Star Associates.
2: Yeah, thank you, Maria, for having me on the show. I am uh, currently a director of technology and innovation at Star Associates, where we provide uh, strategic and advisory services to early-stage technology companies in AI, robotics, health, telemedicine. But I'm also a co-founder of uh, MedIndia.net, and extend.ai. These are both startups using technology and AI for improving health outcomes and you know for early detection of uh, diseases including diabetic retinopathy. Uh, you know I've been involved with the AI for Good Summit in Geneva and the WHO ITU focus group on AI for health. Uh, so you know AI and health is kind of you know the area that I am focused on right now.
0: Excellent. So perfect segue to our first question. Um, so we, we've heard that AI has been around for a while. So Arun, what would you say are the biggest breakthroughs in the technology, the applications, and perhaps industry adoption, specifically within the health sector?
2: Yeah, great, great question. So, uh, you know, AI has been around, you know, since the 50s, since the early days of computing, essentially. Uh, but, uh, you know, it has had its ups and downs, the booms and busts the AI ventures and so on. But, uh, you know, uh, the first breakthrough, I would say, could be traced to the 70s and 80s when we had these artificial neural networks, uh, which were, uh, you know, an offshoot of perceptrons. uh, And they soon discovered these were really powerful functions for creating or mapping any kind of function. Uh, But nobody could figure out how to train these things. So, you know, uh, in the 80s, they invented backprop to allow, you know, uh, training of these networks. But what's recently been really exciting is the emergence of deep learning, and the reason why deep learning, which is essentially nothing but artificial neural networks with hundreds or thousands of layers, it wasn't possible to train these things, you know, in the 90s. We didn't have enough computing power. So in 2006 onwards, we saw emergence of GPUs. So the convergence of GPUs which gave phenomenal processing power uh, to allow us to train these neural networks, GPUs the emergence of gpus allowed us to actually run these deep networks so deep learning essentially is what is revolutionizing ai today and the other of course big factor was the big data that we have available now in the uh, with the iots and the sensors and the smartphones and the devices so you know because ai needs deep learning needs a lot of data for training and I would say the third factor, which has been uh, very exciting, is the fact that we have all these open source frameworks like TensorFlow and Keras and Cafe and PyTorch, which has allowed developers to you know, use some of these models to train really complex algorithms. So image recognition, for example, and speech recognition, which is not possible in the 70s and 80s, is now possible with deep learning and with these And, you know, in in health especially, medical imaging is taken off because of uh, the fact that deep learning has become so good at recognizing images and, you know, doing natural language processing and processing unstructured data, which is what health data is all about. So, I mean, you know, this briefly is kind of an overview of why everybody's excited today about AI and deep learning. You know, it's revolutionizing healthcare, revolutionizing a lot of different industries.
0: Excellent. As I understand from, I hear a lot about what, how modal's really pushing the boundaries when it comes to machine learning algorithms. So maybe you could talk a little bit about where we see the breakthroughs on ML, on the outcomes, the data sets, and what we're really going for in the health applications.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good segue. That was a really good summary by Arun about the the history and um, how things have progressed. And in terms of The current industry standard in the training of these deep neural networks that he's referring to, the algorithm that is at the core of that training process is known as gradient descent or stochastic gradient descent. And this is uh, an iterative process that tries to find the solution, the best training solution for the neural network. And some people are who may be newer to neural networks or machine learning, may be surprised to to learn or understand that these algorithms are initialized with millions of random numbers. And then they iterate and they iterate and they try to converge to a solution. Um, But if you pick a different set of random numbers and then you run the training process a second time, you get a different answer. Uh, So this can be very problematic and this is why machine learning, one of the reasons why machine learning is so expensive and costly because people will have to train their neural networks hundreds or thousands of times each time picking a different random starting point and letting it converge to a different answer and then what they'll do is after they've trained done all these different training runs they'll compare all of the different um, answers and pick the best one out of that batch. And The idea is that if you train enough times, you can kind of maybe convince yourself or build up a level of confidence that um, you've converged to some sort of best training solution. However, there's really no guarantee that if you just pick another set of random starting points and you train one more time that you're going to get lucky and the computer's going to converge to a better solution than any of the ones you've found before and then all of a sudden your training accuracy is going to go up by, you know, maybe 5 or 10 percent. And so at Modal Technology Corporation, we're pushing the boundaries and we're using a completely new algorithm that is different than gradient descent that we've developed here that's based on a new type of computer arithmetic called modal interval arithmetic. And the key benefit of training the computer with this new math and this new technology is that we can guarantee repeatable and accurate results in the sense that you only have to train the machine one time, and we can guarantee to find the best training solution. So this is going to be, in our view, a huge breakthrough in the sense that it's going to reduce the um, uncertainty and improve the confidence that people are going to be able to have in their machine training answers, as well as save a tremendous amount of time
0: that's exciting. That's really definitely breakthrough. So Nate, I know you've worked on standards projects before. Where do you think that technical standards potentially can alleviate some of these challenges when it comes to machine learning and these different bench applications or with uh, patient data sets?
1: Well, one of the big problems that the industry is facing right now is AI is kind of a young and an emerging uh, industry, even though AI as a technology is as Arun was saying, has been around for a while, the industry is really just starting to kind of converge. And uh, in that sense, uh, we, ha- we do have a whole plethora of different training tools and software development kits out there for training neural networks, um, TensorFlow, CAFE, uh, PyTorch, and there's no standards. In other words, if you develop a model on TensorFlow, there's no you know, way currently to kind of get that into a model that was developed with another platform. So one of the reasons, um, this is one of the reasons that the Kronos Group, which is an industry consortium that's been around for quite a while, and they've developed other very successful industry standards, for example, OpenGL, which is um, a video graphics standard that's been, widely used and and adopted for over a decade now in the the video graphics and gaming industry. They have um, put forward a new standard called NNEF, which stands for Neural Network Exchange Format, and this is essentially intended to be like the OpenGL for AI. And uh, Modal Technology Corporation, we're embracing the standard, we're developing our software and, and making our systems conforming to this standard, and it basically provides a standard way to define the, the model of the neural network as well as the, the training data and the, the solutions that are found by the machine training so that you can plug and play with um, other software systems and other hardware vendors uh, that may be you know, developing AI hardwares, different types of AI hardware. Uh, the idea is that all of these systems can now interoperate with each other. And uh, even on the hardware side of the equation, we're seeing new standards such as OpenCAPI and C6. Uh, these are technologies that the industry is starting to coalesce around in terms of um, the various uh, changes to the hardware system infrastructures that are needed in order to. Uh, move the data processing off of the CPUs and the GPUs and the custom uh, AI or machine learning hardware accelerators. So these are standards that we're looking at uh, as well, too.
0: Arun, you know, we, we just went through what, a little bit about what you're doing in AI and what Nate is doing in machine learning, and often we hear, you know, these things are interchangeable. Um, but reality, they're not. So from maybe from your perspective, you can share I'll L.S. Nate as well um, at the end. Uh, what Where you see what really the differences is between the two from a technical perspective and how they're individually uh, applied.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, great question, Maria. Um, now, you know, as I said earlier, artificial intelligence or AI, you know, basically was a term that was originally coined, actually, in 1956 by John McCarthy, who was a visionary computer scientist who invented Lisp and basically the father of AI, you could say, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, the original vision was pretty ambitious. They wanted to be able to have computers that could mimic human intelligence. So, in other words, do everything that human beings could do, which is considered intelligence, which includes things like vision, speech, natural language processing, understanding, logic, abstract reasoning, you know, learning from experience, and all of those things. Uh, and, you know, they actually thought in the 50s that they could achieve all of this by the end of the, you know, century. And obviously, that was not, that didn't happen, right? Uh, we we didn't get our talking computers, uh, you know, and all of that. Uh, and, of course, the reason why, why they found that out was because, uh, you know, they ran into this problem of The computers could do stuff like logic and math very quickly, but they couldn't do things like speech and image recognition. That was a really, really difficult problem. So, uh, AI is an umbrella term, and it includes a lot of subfields. So, machine learning is a subfield of AI, and that's why, you know, when you say it's kind of used interchangeably, incorrectly, but actually machine learning is a very narrow field of that original vision, and basically the Machine learning or ML essentially deals with giving computers the ability to learn without being programmed. Mm-hmm. That would be a definition of machine learning. So the way machine learning systems and deep learning, which, of course, deep learning is, again, a subset of machine learning. Now machine learning, typically, you know, you learn from data or examples. So, you know, the more data we train a machine learning system, you know, the better it gets. Uh, you know, it doesn't include a lot of the other stuff that we were talking about earlier in AI, for example, things like, you know, uh, logic or probabilistic reasoning and uh, all of those things, which are separate fields of AI. So, you know, AI is an umbrella term and you say, so, but, but the fact is today, as of right now in the last 10 years, it is machine learning and deep learning that are dominating the field. The older paradigms like expert systems and all of that in the 70s and 80s are not anymore uh, found to be as useful, which is why today, when we, people say AI, they actually mean machine learning or deep learning. Okay, um, so you know, when when you talk about which is better, uh, the real question is which of these various uh, specializations or applications we could actually uh, uh, we could w- which would which would be mo- most useful to solve a particular kind of problem. For example, uh, you know, image recognition is a task that now the best way to solve that is using deep learning using something called convolutional neural networks so it's basically machine learning
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, but uh, you know if you want to do time series prediction you use a different kind of neural network called a recurrent neural network or an rnn and so on but if you're doing a rule-based prediction you could probably use an expert system or you know one of the older paradigms so it really depends on the problem you are trying to solve
0: right good point Nathan, how, uh,
1: how about you? Well, from my perspective, I I kind of approach things from the mathematical perspective. And and for me, uh, the definition and in, in looking through that lens of it, of machine learning, is that it's what we call um, an, a nonlinear optimization problem. In other words, there are other types of um, artificial intelligence, as Arun was saying, but uh, machine learning and deep learning in particular uh, from this perspective that I'm, I'm looking at it can be formulated mathematically as as one of these, these nonlinear optimization problems and basically what an optimization problem is from a mathematical perspective it's a, it's a model it's a mathematical model that has lots of parameters and variables um, and you want to find the best solution to that mathematical model given a whole bunch of different constraints. And in the case of artificial neural networks, um, the parameters are usually like the pixels and the image and, um, you know, the constraints are your training data where you may have a large library of of images. For example, if you're trying to categorize uh, or train a neural network to, you know, detect cats versus dogs, in images you may have a large library of cat and dog images and you feed it into the neural network and the optimization problem basically tries to adjust all of these variables and parameters in the neural network to their optimal configuration so that given any arbitrary image after the training is done you have the highest um, confidence or ability for the machine to look at that image and then predict, you know, is it a cat or is it a dog
0: mm.
1: Perfect. and this feeds back into real quickly what I was talking about earlier because these optimization problems um, can be very difficult to solve particularly with neural networks because they're so complicated they have so many variables and um, that gets back into the issue of gradient descent and, and the issues we discussed earlier about training.
0: Thank you guys. So. Arun, earlier you mentioned, and we often hear this as well, um, AI for good, AI for social Mm -hmm. good, ethics in AI. IEEE SA actually has a pretty robust um, uh, ethics uh, program around autonomous systems. So from a technical perspective, when we say AI for good or ethics in AI, Mm -hmm. what exactly are we trying to say?
2: Yeah, so uh, great question again, Maria. AI for good, I mean, I guess is a movement that uh, essentially uh, started a few years back where they feel that AI could be an enabling technology uh, to achieve a lot of impact and improve lives. Uh, So, you know, um, there is a lot of excitement around using AI. For example, uh, you know, I was at the uh, AI for good global summit in Geneva last year, and... uh, One of the, uh, they had the 30 sister UN agencies, including the WHO and uh, the UNICEF and all of these. And the whole objective of that was, how could we use AI to achieve uh, the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, as they call them. And those range from things like, Eliminating poverty, to improving healthcare and education, to improving crop yields, and you know all of those. And you know you can look it up on the UN website. But it essentially meant how we could harness the power. Technically, you know, you could say means how can we use the power of AI to process very large amounts of data and to find patterns so that we could optimize things like resources allocation at scale. You know, you need AI, uh, you need a technology like AI to be able to process the vast amounts of data that you know a lot of our devices are generating, including things like satellite data. Uh, one of the applications, for example, that they showcased was using the satellite uh, ma- mapping data to analyze you know, uh, poverty in certain regions of the world or to improve agricultural output. So all of this is possible now using AI. Uh, in addition to that, in healthcare, there's a lot of excitement because you know healthcare in particular, uh, you know there's a huge shortage of uh, doctors and specialists in many parts of the world, including things, places like India and Africa. And uh, you know AI has had a lot of success in thing, doing things like medical image diagnostics, so that's one of the low-hanging fruits for AI. And uh, you know AI can be used to bridge the gap there you know, in terms of shortage of resources, right? Yep. But, uh, you know, this is all good, but there's a lot of challenges as well, as you mentioned about the ethics aspects. I just want to briefly touch upon the fact that AI in ethics is, again, uh, a bit of a challenge. AI is a new field. Uh, there aren't many standards right now, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, lack of clarity in terms of, you know, how we're going to regulate this new technology. One of the fundamental uh, issues here is... Uh, which people are working on is, you know, that of bias. So, you know, one of the things we have to deal with is a lot of the AI algorithms are essentially like black boxes Mm -hmm. and you don't know why they do what they do. uh, When they're, you know, so if they make a mistake, nobody's able to figure out why that critical mistake was made. Since they're learning from all the data that we feed it, Mm -hmm. if the data has inherent bias, for example, gender bias, or whatever kinds of bias, then the AI is gonna reflect that. So we need to be conscious about that and we need to be able to create models which overcome that bias. So that's one thing which is really important. Uh, The other thing, of course, in in healthcare is very important that we collect all this data in an ethical way with consent, you know, and make sure that it is anonymized and encrypted. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always happen, you know, places outside the US, for example, in places like India and Africa, there aren't many regulations to do that so these are some of the issues which we will need to deal with and of course also managing the threat of job loss which is another big area which uh, people are worried about uh, you know because AI there's a fear uh, that AI is going to displace a lot of jobs and that's one area where there, aren't, there are not many clear answers but I think We'll have to work towards you know finding ways that we could gainfully employ everyone uh you know in a world which has got ai helping us solve a lot of the problems that we have
0: Hmm. fascinating uh nathan you have anything to to add to this area uh
1: just a few comments i think you know arun did a really good job covering um all the bases there and you know, for me personally, my view of, of AI is is in and of itself. It's a technology and it's a tool, right? And so, whether um, it's used for good or ill purposes is really about um, the nature of of the people employing the the AI. And uh, I think that we all have a responsibility to use this technology responsibly. Um, you know, Arun talked about. Collecting information, health records with consent. Um, I think even in other fields, uh, even you know, with the proliferation of social media and, and whatnot, that you know, these these are issues that um, I think are, are very important and um, something that certainly we're we're committed to um, here at Modal.
0: Excellent. So uh, I want to thank you gentlemen, we're um, up our time here, and I want to thank you for a really great, I know this was a more introductory macro view of a really important topic of um, artificial intelligence versus machine learning, trying to clear up the differences and the benefits of both. So for now, I just want to tell everybody, have a great day, and we'll, we'll see you next time on our next podcast. Thank you.